Well, what a blessing to be able to end 2023 on the Lord's Day with our church family. Amen? Amen. Yeah, it's a fun year when you have Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve both on a Sunday. That's awesome. Well, as I was praying uh, what to preach on this day, I actually had a last-minute change of plans. If, if you looked at the e-news, I was planning to, to preach on the rich young ruler and about surrendering all to Jesus in 2024. Now, that message is still to come next Sunday. But I read a blog post, actually, this week, and it inspired me. And ministered to me, and I thought the Lord gave me a message uh, to share with you about trusting in God's unchanging character in the face of uncertain times. And like the Lord put this message in my heart, I, I pray that it will be a ministry to you and that you will be encouraged. And we'll be looking at Psalm 33, and we'll, in this psalm, we'll, we'll learn five sure and steady promises or truths that we can rely on. No matter what else happens in 2024, these things are still going to be true. They were true yesterday, they are true today, they're going to be true tomorrow, and they're going to be true all for 2024. Psalm 33. Uh, 33 has five sure and steady truths that we can rely on in the face of uncertain times. And these are truths about God, truths about us, truths about the world that we live in, and we can bank on them no matter what happens in the year ahead. The faithful, us, we, can confidently rely on these things to continue even if the world melts and falls apart. So, Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 33 as I read this wonderful psalm for us this morning. And it's actually a call to worship. Uh, so that's, that's the genre of the type of psalm it is. That helps us to understand it. So shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nations whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on them, all the inhabitants of the earth. Excuse me. He who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. <laughs> Behold, the eye of the Lord are on those who fear him. 
on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you've given us the words of life, words to build our life on, words that are a foundation for our being. And so, Lord, we pray that that same spirit that has inspired these words, that he might dwell upon us and in us this very day to make these words become the words of life to us, that we may nourish our souls on the bread of life this morning. And Lord, may we not forget that you are the word incarnate, that Jesus Christ, your son, is the very word of life. And so, Lord, we ask that you bring your spirit to fall on us during this time to bring knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Lord, soften our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes that we might see you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think uh, many of you know that I have a somewhat dire view of the future. Uh, As we've been studying the minor prophets over this past year, it's been clear to see that we're living in a very culturally similar time as the minor prophets were. And just as Israel was ripe for God's wrath at 600 BC, I do believe if the Western world continues in its rebellion and in its wickedness, we too will experience the wrath of God as a consequence for our waywardness and mounting wickedness. And I don't claim to be a prophet in any way, but I am a student of history and of God's word. And there are clear observable patterns that we can discern in history. And the predictable trajectory of the rise and falls of empires, historically and biblically, has long been observed. In his enduring work on the fall of the Roman Empire, Edward Gibbons lists a few factors that are common to the decline of empires. Okay, listen to these. See if this does not mirror the day and age that we're living in. Ethical confusion. Economic instability, particularly a narrowing of the middle class. Sexual perversion and gender dystopia. Yes, even in Rome, that is what's happening. An insatiable desire for entertainment, right? The phrase bread and circus was uh, pitched uh, in Rome at that time. The rise of new empires through war and foreign entanglements and the breakdown of the family. Edward Gibbons noticed that these is not just something that happened to Rome, but it was repeated in uh, the, the nations that repeated, uh, that came after them, and the Germans and the British and so on and so forth. God has instructed us through his word that when we obey and when we trust in his word, a nation will prosper. But when we abandon God and don't obey his commands, a nation falls. And that's true individually And it's true corporately, and it's true for us nationally. But Edward Gibbons didn't notice something that uh, we didn't already learn 2,500 years before that when the Lord revealed this to Jeremiah. 
If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck it up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I'll relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intended to do to it. Edward Gibbons just pointed out what God revealed to Jeremiah 2,500 years earlier. And it seems to me, based on God's revealed truth to us in Scripture, that unless Europe and the UK and North America return to the Lord and turn from our evil, that we are ripe for the judgment of God to fall upon us as well. I know many of you are concerned. You're concerned about the world that your children will face. You're concerned about the security of your jobs. You're concerned about the rising cost of living. You're concerned about the reality of war coming to our doorsteps or the world uh, falling into yet another third world war. Just as a small example from my life of the the anxiety that we face, uh, one of the things Philip and I need to do early this next year is register him for the U.S. draft, right, for the army. As a U.S. citizen, he's obligated to do this. A few years ago, it wouldn't have been such a crazy thing to consider, but looking at the global scene in Ukraine, in the Middle East, and what's happening in Taiwan, it doesn't seem like it would take much to embroil the entire world into another great war. Now, with all these uncertainties looming in our minds, it does seem to me that we can rather quickly lose our head and rather quickly let fear and anxiety consume our thoughts. We can try to put our security in the things of this world. We can choose to ignore the warning signs. We can go to ancient wisdom or learn from God's word. God's truth reveals things to us that we would not know if he didn't reveal or show them to us through divine revelation. The reality is none of us knows what tomorrow brings. We might not be plunged into World War III tomorrow, hopefully, but none of us knows what might be looming for us individually or as a family. The future is never certain, but there are things which we can be certain. As the proverbial saying goes, we might not know the future, but we do know the one who holds the future. Psalm 33 is a great psalm to reflect on in uncertain times. David reflects on on five sure and steady truths about God, and these five truths give rise to awaken a faithful response to David's heart. And so we're going to break down the psalm in this way. Verses 1 to 3 speaks of God is always worthy of our worship. No matter what we walk through, no matter what we do, God is always worthy of worship. God's word is reliable and unchanging. God's eternal purposes will prevail. And yes, godlessness will go on tomorrow as it did today. And the gospel remains our only source of security. And how do we respond to these truths? We wait upon the Lord, we trust in him, and we put our hope in him. So let's briefly walk through this psalm, and as we do so, reflect and and meditate on these truths. The first truth is found in verses 1 to 3. God is always worthy of our worship. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits, or it's fitting, for the upright. 
Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make music to him with the harp of ten strings. Shout to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So this psalm is a call to worship, a reminder to the people that he is worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. This is a truth that is true 3,000 years ago, and it's a truth that is true today. God is always worthy of worship. So no matter what you're going through now or will go through in 2024, it is right and fitting for the believer to worship God. Praise befits the upright. It is fitting for the believer to be a person of worship, a person of praise. Paul teaches the church in Thessalonica to worship the Lord in all circumstances. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So even when we're suffering and in agony, and from a human perspective, all is lost and gloomy, the believer will find cause to praise the Lord. Last week, one of the children, yeah, 10-year-old Lilia, here you are, she was listening to the sermon. She was good because we gave her a worksheet and she had questions. And she came up to me afterwards and asked some really good questions. And she asked, how could Paul be happy in prison? How could Paul be happy in prison? And we sat down together. Do you remember what did we look at? Philippians, right? Yeah? Uh, don't, it's not a pop quiz, don't worry. <laughs> Philippians 1, and we said, hmm, what, what reason does Paul give to be joyful in prison? And what did he write? He goes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and much more bold to speak the word without fear. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. So even in a situation where Paul has been betrayed, his name is being defamed by his opponents, he's helpless in prison, he can rejoice because of what has happened to him has really happened to advance and serve the gospel. So Lilia and I saw last week, how can Paul be joyful in prison? Paul could rejoice and praise God in the midst of his trial because he was looking for what God was up to in the midst of his trial. And he could praise God because of it. So often people go through trials and struggles and leave God out of the equation. Oh, this is just a bad decision or that was bum luck. But Paul looked for God's good purposes and rejoiced in his suffering because he could see how God used his suffering to advance the gospel. When we go through struggles and we go through trials, it is of utmost importance and urgency really that we seek what is God doing in and through our trials to give him glory as he works all things out for our good and his glory. Satan has a plan for your trials. Satan has a tactic for your strategy, but the Lord has a greater and greater and gooder, a better plan, better plan. So whatever trial awaits you or me, 
as a church in 2024, for the believer, it's always going to be an opportunity for the gospel to be advanced, for Christ to be proclaimed, so that we too might worship God in all circumstances, because God is always worthy of worship. And that's a truth that is true tomorrow, just as much as it is today. The best witness of the gospel has always been the faith of believers in the midst of trials. It's what? The blood of the martyrs that was the seed of the church. As the world watches a believer suffer trial with faith, this is a far more powerful witness than healing or other miraculous signs. When Christ is sufficient and the world is astounded and realizes that we have something they do not, namely a God worthy of worship in all circumstances. What is God doing in the midst of your trial? And how is he using this to either advance the gospel, sanctify you from sin, or bring glory to his name? God is always worthy of worship. And so let's learn to give thanks in all circumstances in 2024. The second truth is found in verses 4 to 9, that God's word is reliable and unchanging. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So David moves from the call to worship to give the ground or the reason that we can worship. Why should God be worshiped? For the word of the Lord is upright and his work is done in faithfulness. Verse four, why should God be uh, praised above all else? Verse six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Why should we glorify God in all circumstances? Verse 9, for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. Here David gives us the ground for our worship and the ground is the character of God, his righteousness, his faithfulness, his justice, his steadfast love, his power over creation and in creation. But all of this comes back to knowing God's character through what? Through his word we know all these things about God because he has revealed it to us in his word. Without his revealed word to us in scripture, we'd be lost. We'd be groping in the dark. We'd be fashioning a God according to our own wisdom, according to our own imagination of who God is and how he should be. But it's through his revealed word to us that we even know who he is. And the steadfast love is all around us, we read because the Lord has told us so in his word. His word was before the dawn of time and his word will last into eternity. And of course, as New Testament Christians, when we read about the word of God in the Old Testament, we know that this is the very same word that became flesh in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the very word of God incarnate. And so in all the uncertainties that awaits us in 2024, it's clear that God's word will be steady and reliable and unchanging. We can count on Jesus and we can know Jesus through our knowledge and meditation on the study of scripture. 
That's why reading the Bible and studying the Bible together in community is such an important part of maturing spiritually, also privately, individually. When we read the Word of God, we are meeting Jesus. Yeah? In this activity, and the Spirit is changing us and molding us and, and transforming us into the image of Christ. And that's why in early 2024, this year, the, both the men's and the women's ministry will be offering training in how to read the Bible for study and for spiritual growth uh, through our Thursday morning and evening women's Bible studies. We'll be looking at uh, studying inductive Bible study. And the men will be having a Saturday morning seminar in late January, early February. We want our men and women in the word. So we don't know what 2024 will bring, but we do know what we can grow in our worship of God and we can exalt him in our hearts daily through meeting him and knowing him better in his word. So 2024 is yet to be written, but God's word is reliable, unchanging, and on that we can bank. The third firm and sure truth we can count on in 2024 is found in verses 10 to 12. God's eternal purposes will prevail. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. God has a good plan for this world. Before a star was formed or a blade of grass sprouted from the earth, God had a good and eternal plan to save and redeem his beloved creation. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans or the purposes of his heart to all generations. This counsel of the Lord is a common theme throughout Scripture about God's mysterious and wonderful plan of salvation. It's what Paul celebrates in Ephesians 1 when he speaks about God's plan for eternity to save and redeem all those who have put their faith in Christ. And these are those people we read about in verse 12. Blessed are those whom he has chosen as his heritage. So this is a great source of confidence for the believer Whatever happens in this life, good or bad or ugly, will not speak the final word. Satan's schemes will not thwart God's eternal counsel and good purposes for your life and for this world. When we are in Christ, we can confidently face anything because we know we have an eternal heritage, an eternal inheritance that's waiting for us. And the weight of eternity is far heavier and far more significant than our momentary trials here and now. Having this great eternal view of things is such a great source of peace in this life. We need not fret and worry about the future. We need not be anxious about tomorrow. Though the nations will plan and wicked people will plan wicked things, we know and we can count on verse 10 that the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing and he frustrates the plans of the peoples. So we don't know what 2024 brings, but we do know and we can count on this truth that God's eternal purposes will prevail. So whatever we face in this life, we can always look beyond it. There's a, a good and uh, safe pasture waiting for us. 
We may need to walk through the valley of the shadow of death before we arrive, but as sure as God's word is true, we can count on God's eternal counsel and good purposes to stand firm. And that is such a relief to the anxious soul. Psalm 56, 3-4 echoes this sentiment so well. It's a great passage to memorize for those who struggle with anxiety and, and stress. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? We need to preach this truth into our hearts deep within our souls regularly and often. So we don't know what 2024 brings, but we do know that God's eternal purposes will prevail. The fourth big truth we learn from Psalm 33 is a sad truth, but it's a truth we have to be aware of. Godlessness will go on in 2024, just as it has in 2023. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. And he who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Nations and peoples will continue to look on their own strength to save them and not to the Lord. And we have a great example of this in recent history. Now, I know it's a somewhat controversial illustration, but bear with me. As the COVID virus caused a global crisis and a collective panic kind of set in, what happened? What was the instinctive impulse of nations, of people, of governments? In my heart, I was sure that this virus would bring about a revival. That people would, would turn to the Lord and see their utter helplessness. And a renewed focus on God, our helper and healer, would come. But sadly, it didn't happen. In fact, more churches were more empty during this time than ever before in my lifetime. And what happened? People placed their hope and their trust in the might of their government, the healthcare infrastructure, and science. Where did the global collective look for salvation? It came from the vaccine. Now, I'm not questioning the validity of the vaccine or the effectiveness, and, and I know that God works through medicine and governments, but the point I want to make is clear that overall, the thrust of the nations and the people's hearts in Germany and across the world, they did not cry out to the Lord, but rather it was a race to get a shot. And there was a, not a global revival. There was not a keen awareness of our fragility and vulnerability. We did not collectively turn back to God, but rather we put our hope in our strength of our horses. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot save. There is a problem with humanity that is deeper than COVID, and that's the sin in our life. And we don't know what 2024 will bring, but we know that nations and peoples will continue to trust in their own strength, and that wickedness and war and conflict and corruption will continue to go on. 
And so should we, we should not be caught off guard or surprised at the next global crisis, whether that be a war or rumors of war, will continue to the end of time. It will be another year where Adam's curse is felt, where sin and sickness will wreak havoc on this world, where Satan will continue to shame and deceive, where death and suffering will touch us all in the year ahead. We can also count on the fact that we too will sin, that we will experience the consequences of our own sinfulness and our own unfaithfulness. So we don't know what 2024 will bring, but we can be sure that the brokenness of the world will continue to show itself. That's not a great bit of truth for us, but it makes the gospel so much sweeter, doesn't it? It reminds us of our need for a savior. It reminds us that reality of sin and death and suffering makes this present world less charming as we hope for God's better future, right? So this sad fourth truth that we can count on makes the fifth and final truth all the more sweeter as we read in verses 18 to 19 that the gospel remains our only source of security. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Again, our only hope is in the steadfast love of God. Where do we see the steadfast love of God the clearest and the brightest? But in the gospel, right? This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. David writes in verses 18 as an intentional contrast to the wicked nations and people in verses 13 to 17. As wicked men and women and nations put their hope in their own strength and their own ability and their own power, uh, he has set his will against them. But his loving and caring and gentle and lowly eye is on those who fear him, on those who put their trust in him and his steadfast love. So we can count on the beauty of the gospel and God's redeeming love for us in Jesus Christ to be our one and only hope. We don't know what 2024 will bring, but we do know that God will always come close to the sinner who comes close to God. We know that uh, God will forgive us as we turn from our wicked ways and learn to fear him more and more. The simple message about our sin, God's perfect holiness, the separation between us and God because of our sin and what God has done about it by sending Jesus to suffer our death, to live the life that we could never live and to offer us his salvation and his righteousness. That simple message is the only thing that we can know for sure because we have experienced in our hearts to be true. As David writes at the end of Psalm, uh, at verses 18 to 13, those who hope in the steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death. Oh, what a joy to know God's love is showered upon us. What else do we need? What else do our heart desire? If we have God, we have everything. What else do you need? What else do you want, Right? If God is all you have in this life, then rest assured you have all you need. So we don't know what 2024 brings, but we do know that because of Jesus Christ, because he lived a life that we could never live and died the death I deserve and rose again to new life, because of Jesus, I am God's and God is mine. 
and it is in this life, God is all I have, then all I have is all I need I have. And that is a constant, a sure and steady truth on which to build our lives upon in 2024. So these five truths ignite a response in our hearts. When, when we ponder these truths, the Spirit fills our hearts with faith and joy and peace and hope. Ponder these truths, that God is always worthy of worship in all circumstances. That God's word is reliable and unchanging no matter what's going on around you. God's eternal purposes will prevail despite the evil that we face. And yes, godlessness will go on. Don't be surprised by that. But the gospel remains our only source of security. These are five sure and steady truths for this next year. But verses 20 to 22 articulates how our heart responds to these amazing truths. And, and there is a, a promise and a cause and effect that's happening here. As our soul waits for the Lord, he is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Our soul waits upon the Lord. We trust in him. We put our hope in him. And these, these, these three verses could be their own sermon because there's a cause and effect. There's a clear correlation But what's happening here. As our soul waits for the Lord, we will find him to be our help and our shield. As we trust in his holy name, our heart will be glad in him alone. And as we place our hope in him, his steadfast love will rest upon us. And so that's an invitation for all of us in 2024. As we can count on these five constants laid out for us in Psalm 33, these five sure and steady truths, they direct us to respond in faith. As we wait upon the Lord and trust in the Lord uh, and put our hope in him, he will be your help and shield. He will make your heart glad and he will be, his steadfast love will be showered upon you. What a great promise. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for your great love that you've showered upon us. Lord, we thank you that you have a good plan for this world and for our lives. And Lord, I pray that as uh, we move into a new year that we can dedicate ourselves and dedicate this year ahead to you. That in all the years we've lived to this point, may this be a year that we live in complete surrender to you. Lord, we entrust uh, this past year into your hands, all the, the pains and, and brokenness and regrets, all the joys, all the delights, all the victories. Lord, we, we give them to you. Um, Lord, as we look forward to this next year, Lord, there could be great victories and great blessings awaiting us. There could be sadness and grief. We don't know. But Lord, when we put our hope in you, we know that it is sure and reliable and unchanging, that your steadfast love will always be enough for us. And so we pray, dear Lord, that you would make your spirit to shine in our hearts so that we might worship you more and more and be filled with your Holy Spirit afresh 
in this next year. Lord, we pray that this year our church would experience uh, a deeper knowledge of you, that our faith would grow, and that you would bring the lost uh, to you. Lord, we pray that we might be found to be a faithful church. So Lord, uh, forgive us our sins collectively, Lord. Forgive us those times that we fall into our, our fleshly weak nature. And Lord, fill us with your spirit that makes our heart new and that we can fill, be filled again with your spirit to serve you fresh. And so Lord, I ask that your spirit fill this congregation for the good work ahead of us in 2024. Pray this blessing upon each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen.